Welcome to Walk Through the Bible, Susan Michaels' 12-month journey through the most exciting book on the planet. It will transform your life one page at a time. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes that will ignite your faith and bring your Bible to life. Now, let's join our host, Susan Michael. Well, hey there. You know, the Apostle Paul was handpicked by the risen Christ for a pioneering and groundbreaking calling. This zealous Jew was called to take the good news of the kingdom to a pagan Gentile world. What could be harder than that? Why Paul? Well, the answer to that question is the same answer to the question, why you and me? So stick with me. I want to welcome you to this week's Walk Through the Bible. We are in week 50 of the Walk Through the Bible. I am so excited as we are beginning to come to the end of our journey through the New Testament. But we have such exciting content over our last few weeks together. Nevertheless, I wanted to take this moment to ask you if you've enjoyed our time together, maybe you haven't listened to the whole year, but you've listened to parts of it. If you've liked it, please be sure and to like this uh, episode, to subscribe to this channel, to let us know because uh, your likes and subscribes are just going to help more people find this teaching when they do searches. Which brings me to my next point. We have provided all of this great teaching content for you free of charge. Now I'm asking you, if you have enjoyed it, if you have gained from it, if you have learned from it, would you please pray about paying it forward, making a donation today, which is going to help us to reach more people with this great teaching and to lay these biblical foundations in the lives of more believers It does cost money. And so we're asking you to make a donation today. We have put a link in today's show notes where you can uh, make a donation. And um, I also want you to know that even though we're coming to the end of our walk through the Bible, we are not coming to the end of the Out of Zion show. We will continue. We have all new series planned for 2022 and beyond. So stick with us week to week. We're going to continue feeding you um, even after we wrap up our walk through the Bible. So let's get started and let's review what we talked about last week. Last week, Paul was on his third missionary journey and he wrote long doctrinal and instructional letters back to the church at Corinth and at the church in Rome. One of the contentious issues that the Apostle Paul had to deal with was over the role of the Mosaic law in the early church. You know, God had given the law to the Jewish people as a part of his covenant with them. It was the requirements of their covenant with God. So early believers in Jesus still obeyed the law. Gentiles, however, were not expected to follow the law given to Israel. So how did these two groups mix in the church. How did they worship together? It was not easy. And if the law was not required to be saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, then on what basis are we saved? And what is the role of the law? And this is what we talked about last week, what 
the Apostle Paul talked about in particularly in his book to the Romans. Let me just sum it up. You and I are saved by faith in Christ alone. Just as Abraham was counted righteous because of his faith, which came hundreds of years before the law, so we are counted righteous because of our faith in the death of Jesus for us on the tree. But the law was given as requirements of the covenant with Israel, with the people of Israel. It was given to instruct and to guard them, to teach them the way, to point them to the need for Christ, his substitutionary substitutionary death on the cross and for the forgiveness of sins and to make way for the Holy Spirit to be poured in our hearts. If the Gentiles are led by the Holy Spirit, I should say if any believer in Christ is led by the Holy Spirit, they are fulfilling the requirements of the law because the Holy Spirit is only going to lead us to walk in love, and love is a fulfillment of the law. But what about these Jewish believers in Jesus? They are also saved by faith. But is there still a role for the law in their lives? Well, the Apostle Paul did not address this in his epistles to the Gentiles. But this week, we began to get a little hint of how the early believers in Jesus were approaching the law. So let's get started. This week, we are reading Acts 21 till the end of the book. Paul arrives in Jerusalem, even though he's been warned all along the way that he may be arrested, that bad awaits him in Jerusalem. He was determined to go. So he goes to Jerusalem and he meets with the church leaders there, James and the other leaders of the church. And he tells them the wonderful reports of what God is doing with the Gentiles. And they all rejoiced. And it says that when they heard this, they praised God. And then they said to Paul, but you see, brother, how many thousands of Jews have believed, and all of them are zealous for the law. So while Paul was bragging about the Gentiles coming to faith, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem were bragging about the myriad, the thousands of Jews who were now believing Jesus as Messiah, were a part of that early church, but they made it very clear, and they are very zealous for the law. And he says, they've been told that you are teaching Jews who live among the Gentiles not to obey the laws of Moses. And he said, what should we do then? He knew it wasn't true. The epistles that you and I have been talking about were written largely to Gentiles in the churches. And he was explaining to them, you don't need to convert to Judaism in order to be a Christian. You don't have to get circumcised. That's what circumcision meant, was converting to Judaism. He was letting them know they didn't need to follow the law that they needed to obey the Holy Spirit, and in so doing, they would fulfill the law. But now, it's question about his teaching to the Jews, and he says, what should we do? In other words, this is wrong. And they said, you need to do this. And they gave him instructions, go to the temple, which he did. 
And in the temple, he didn't do anything wrong, but people saw him. They said, this is the guy who's been teaching all through Asia against the law, against Israel, against the people. And uh, they said, we need to stop him. And then there were rumors that he had uh, broken the laws of the temple. He'd brought a Gentile in, which he hadn't. And uh, the Romans end up then sweeping him away for safety and to question him, what is this all about, so they can determine what needs to be done. Um, Now, you know, this is the beginning then of Paul's imprisonment. Uh, Because it's so dangerous for him in Jerusalem, the Romans then whisk him down to Caesarea, and he is held in Herod's uh, palace there in Caesarea. And, um, And then we have the story of how he comes before the Roman rulers. You can read it all this week in your reading. I want to take a minute and talk about Uh, something that we have happening here. So, uh, so far in our walk through the Bible, we have been discussing the Hebraic context of the Bible, of the Old Testament, of God's dealings with the Israelites, and then of the Gospels. Jesus came in that context. It was a Hebraic context. He came to the people of Israel. So to really understand what he was saying, what he was doing, who he was, what he was all about. We needed to understand that Hebraic context. But now we have a transition that's taking place to really understand a lot of Paul's writings to the churches. We have to begin to understand the Roman and pagan context. Yep. Because Paul, a lot of his epistles were written to Gentiles, and he was speaking their language, and he was drawing from their context. There are some things you just cannot understand in Paul's epistles. No matter how well you may understand the Hebraic context of the Old Testament, of Jesus, you will not understand what Paul is saying if you do not understand what was taking place in the Roman pagan society around them. In the early church, there was a mix. For the most part, most of his epistles are dealing with the uh, either the issue of the law, which is a Jewish and uh, Gentile issue, or then it was talking about behavior issues that were really a reflection of the pagan background of many of the Gentiles. And um, so... Next week, we will talk about two books in the New Testament that are written primarily to Jews who believe in Jesus. But for this week, let's stay in our train of thought. So we have been reading uh, Galatians, and uh, this week we're reading his prison epistles. We read uh, Corinthians and Romans. This week it's Colossians and Ephesians and Philippians. And these are reflecting a largely uh, a need to instruct and guide the Gentile members of the new church. Um, Paul was uniquely called and qualified uh, to do this. So in Philippians this week, we're going to read where Paul begins to brag about his Jewish background. And um, I'm going to read it here in Philippians 3. He says, 
If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. So Paul was not a disciple. He had never met the Jesus when he lived uh, on the earth. He met the risen Jesus on the road to Damascus. And Jesus, when he spoke to Paul, and Paul had that vision, it was so impacting that Paul was able to give up everything and count it as loss. And he began to realize that righteousness is by faith. It's not because of obedience uh, to the law. And he gave his life to take that message to a pagan Roman world. So Paul was a Hebrew of Hebrews, educated a Pharisee, zealous to the point of persecuting the church. But Paul was also a Roman citizen. He didn't grow up in Jerusalem or Judea in the land of the Bible. Paul grew up in Tarsus. Tarsus was one of three educational centers in the whole Roman Empire. Today we'd call it a university town. It was a place where there were educational institutions. It was known for intellectualism, for education. We don't know exactly how Paul was educated in that system, but I think it's safe to say he was very educated. For sure he grew up as a Jewish minority in the town of Tarsus. So he had to interact um, every day with the Roman culture, the Roman society, with the pagans around him. We do know that according to what we just read, he read, at least read Hebrew. Uh, he may have spoken it some. Um, he studied in Jerusalem. He was later sent as a young man to Jerusalem to study there under one of the famous rabbis. So he was uh, able to get around in Hebrew and particularly to read the ancient Hebrew manuscripts. But um, he spoke Greek. And it's interesting when Paul quotes the Old Testament in his writings, he's quoting the Greek version of the Old Testament the Septuagint. So that means I think he was more comfortable in Greek uh, than in spoken Hebrew. It could also reflect that he just knew the people around him were more familiar with the Greek, and therefore he was using it. He also spoke Aramaic. We know that because this week we're going to see that he, he addressed the crowd in Jerusalem in Aramaic. And he also said that Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus and spoke Aramaic to him. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? Wouldn't we expect Jesus would speak Hebrew to Paul? He spoke Aramaic. And then Paul probably knew some Latin growing up as a Roman citizen. He would have to. 
So Paul was educated. He was multilingual and he was uh, cross-cultural. Therefore, Paul was the perfect bridge. He was a pioneer. Pioneers are often controversial and Paul was controversial, still is. He was a visionary. He saw beyond the confines of the Jewish religion. He was able to put pieces together. He was able to put two and two together and came up with that we are saved by faith alone. The law still has its role, but it's not about salvation. He was relational, just as any Middle Eastern Jew would be. It was about the family. It was about the body. It was about the uh, honoring of all the parts of the body, that we would be rightly related together. Very relational. He was also very vulnerable. He worked alone as a pioneer. He was uh, exposed uh, in many ways. Um, I heard one teacher say that Paul traveled 10,000 land miles in his missionary journeys. That's just phenomenal. He was driven. He was driven to share the good news with as many as he could. And he was a phenomenal uh, theologian and expositor. And he, his writings um, and his story take up a third of the New Testament. It's from him, 14 different books. I thank God for Paul. He was the perfect person to play that role, to be called to be that bridge, to bridge the gospel, which was a, a Jewish gospel from a Jewish Messiah for the Jewish people, and be that bridge to take it into the Roman world. It was Paul. And you know, I also thank God for Luke. Luke wrote over one-fourth of the New Testament. Luke traveled with Paul, and it's believed he wrote the Gospel of Luke as well as the book of Acts. Both books address and reference someone named Theophilus. No one knows for sure who Theophilus was, but one theory, convincing theory, is that Theophilus may have been a part of the legal defense team for Paul when he finally was taken before Caesar in Rome. And so Luke took it upon himself to write for the legal defense team the entire story of who was this Jesus? What did he do and say? How he died? How he rose from the dead? How he met this Paul on the road to Damascus, how the this birth, this church that's been birthed throughout the Roman Empire is following this risen Christ and who Paul was. And the fact that the book of Acts kind of just drops off at the end, Paul's in Rome, we don't ever hear the end of the story. I think that's because it was written for his legal defense. Uh, once it was presented, it was done and over with. And of course, what tradition tells us is Paul was eventually beheaded by the emperor, probably Nero, there in Rome. And because the, the writings of Luke had already been turned in, turned over, uh, Luke didn't finish the story. So I thank God for Luke. That's how we know all of this 
about Paul, even about Jesus. He told the story of the birth of Jesus to such detail that none of the other Gospels did. So um, many of the stories about Peter and the other apostles, they were also on the road. They were just as busy as Paul. They were dealing with all the same problems. They were writing letters. Many of them were martyred for their faith too. They just didn't have a Luke who was traveling with them, who then saw the need and answered the call to chronicle it. So I want to encourage you. Are you a unique pioneer like Paul? Are you the I want to go out there kind of person? Let God use you as who you are. Don't try to be somebody else. Or are you Luke? Are you the more kind of educated intellectual one? You like to chronicle. You like to assist. You like to be behind the scenes. And you like to write. Let God use you for who you are. Because that's the whole point of this. God called Paul because of who he was. God used that man to the fullest because he knew who Paul was. He knows who you are. He wants to use you just as you are. Don't try to be somebody else and don't beat up on yourself because you're not somebody else. Get to know yourself. Get to know your strengths and your weaknesses and let God use you. Now, this week we read Paul's what are called prison epistles, and these are the letters that he wrote while he was in um, under arrest by the Romans. And so that's the books of Colossians, Philemon, Ephesians, and Philippians. Um, now, as you're reading through those this week, now you've kind of got this background, but I want to stop just a minute. I want to talk about the book of Ephesians because I want to make a point here about this transition now in our reading that we are transitioning from a story and from writings that were Hebraic. They were Hebraic in language, in mindset, in culture, in religion, everything. They used Hebraic terminology, Hebraic imagery. Um, we're now making a transition as you're reading, and even beginning last week. Paul's now speaking to Roman Gentiles. They may be citizens, they may not be citizens, but they are of the culture and the society. So he's beginning now to use imagery and a context that's not Hebraic, it's Roman, because these Gentiles will understand what he's talking about. You and I, some of it goes right over our head. So I just want to share one thing about the book of Ephesians. Uh, when I learned this, I thought it was phenomenal that the, um, the book of Ephesians describes our citizenship into the body of Christ in very Roman terms. Paul is actually using here the context of how someone becomes a Roman citizen to describe the process of how we have become citizens of the kingdom of God. 
New citizens went through a process that uh, they had to be selected in a way. They had to be adopted. Um, after they became a citizen, they had to be trained. They went through citizenship classes, how to relate to other people now that you're a citizen, because it was a very classist society. If you were a citizen, you went here and you did this and you used that entrance and this, you had all these privileges. And so they had to be taught and trained. What were their privileges as a citizen? And then, of course, he used imagery that was familiar to every single Roman citizen or resident, and that was the armor of a Roman soldier. So first, Paul describes our calling into citizenship and how that we were adopted into this sonship, into this citizenship. And, and he describes all of this in the, the first uh, couple of chapters of Ephesians. And then he, he begins to talk about our conduct as a member of the kingdom of God, how we should conduct ourselves. And then at the end, he talks about the conflict that the citizen, that the believer will encounter and how to take on that armor uh, to cover ourselves and to be equipped and prepared as we go into this conflict. Wow, this is all terminology that was for the Roman reader. Now, um, I just want to read to you a couple of uh, sections here uh, from Ephesians 2 as we begin to come to a close today. So reading here from Ephesians chapter 2, starting with verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, remember that at that time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. Skipping down to 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. So this is where he's using a lot of the imagery about Roman citizenship. But the point I want to make for you and me today is we are no longer outside the family of God. Do you understand? The family of God was the nation of Israel. They were his people. You and I were Gentiles. We were pagans. We were barbarians. We were out in the world lost. We didn't know the God of Israel. We didn't know his goodness. We didn't know his ways. We didn't know he was the creator. We were following all these idols, all these pagan gods, all these idols made out of stone and, and clay and silver. That's who we were. But through Jesus, we can now become a part of the family of God. We can know the God of Israel. We can know the God who sent the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah, 
who died on the cross for us. We have been brought in. We are no longer far away. We are now brought in to the family. We're citizens of the kingdom of God. Isn't that exciting? And then as we wrap up today, I want to read one more verse from uh, Ephesians. I love this little section of scripture. I believe it wraps up the entire Bible. You know, you and I have spent the last 11 months reading through the Bible, and I keep reminding you of the story that's taking place behind the stories. And here in Ephesians, we have it all wrapped up in Ephesians chapter 1, starting with verse 4. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Verse 10, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. We have it all right here. It says that before God even created the world, that he had a plan that you and I would be adopted into his family through Christ Jesus. Wow, is that not amazing? He always knew man was going to fall. He knew we were going to need forgiveness. He knew that he was going to create a people, the Jewish people through whom he worked through and is still working through, to reach the Gentiles. Here, it's all here that we would be adopted into sonship through Jesus. That means that Jesus' death on the tree was always a part of God's plan, set in place before all eternity. Jesus was to die on the cross for you and me, so that in the end, God is going to unite all of heaven and earth together under Christ in the kingdom of God. That's when God rules over the entire heaven and earth. Wow, it's all right here in Ephesians 1. So I hope you enjoy your reading this week. You'll remember these things that I've shared. You'll see this in in Ephesians. And may the Lord work deeply in your heart as you spend time in his word this week. And I'll see you back here next week. Until then, God bless. Well, hey there. I hope you've enjoyed the teaching so far during our walk through the Bible. We would like to ask for your help. If you've enjoyed it, if you've received from it, if you've learned something and you would like to bless others with the opportunity to be a part of these teachings, would you please go down below in today's show notes, follow the link there to make a donation. You know, it costs a lot of money for us to provide this teaching to you free of charge, but we've done so just wanting to bless you. I'd like to ask you now, would you bless others? make a donation so that we can get this teaching out to more people. We would appreciate it. We just appreciate your partnership with us in that way. God bless you. 
We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Out of Zion with Susan Michael. Be sure to subscribe to Out of Zion now on Apple Podcasts, cpnshows.com, YouTube, or wherever you like to listen and learn. Out of Zion with Susan Michael is a production of ICEJ USA, all rights reserved.